What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the River Blast Podcast. I am Noah Hiles. Oh, is that Alex Stump? Is that the Alex Stump sign? Oh, man. You can say words now. <laughs> Let's try one more time. It was a good idea, and I realized, wait a minute, I don't have a punchline to get through this bit. <laughs> no, we're rolling. We're rolling with this. We're rolling. We're rolling. All right, so, yeah, that was that is my uh, fastball's coming sign. So we, we, tried to fill, we tried to record this bit earlier uh, on take one, and Alex, in the middle of it, he's wearing headphones as we record, so the microphone audio will be a little bit better. And it just sounded like a tornado was going through his room as he reached over for a box to, uh, to have a prop for a joke to which he did not develop a punchline for. So as you can see, we're still in mid-season form here on River Blast Radio. Uh, again, I'm Noah Hiles. He's Alex Stump. Alex, how have you been, buddy? I've been pretty good. I mean, I'm in mid-season form, and you know what? Whenever we look back on this podcast, I could at least say I went for it. I went for it, for better or worse. Real quick, I, this is obviously a Pirates-based podcast, and there's actually a lot of Pirates stuff to talk about um, since we last spoke. I think we hit on the new GM, but... We did not, obviously, get to cover the new manager. There's been some other front office hirings. Arguably, their best player wants out. There's a lot to cover. But this Astros thing, it's been the big story in baseball so far this offseason, despite a couple of big signings or whatever. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Is this a big deal? Is this not a big deal? What, do you, what are your thoughts? I mean, this is a very big deal. I have no problem with stealing signs on the field. If you can tell that a pitcher is tipping, if you have a runner on second base and he's able to look in and see, you know, what the sign is, I have no problem with that. But whenever you use outside forces like technology, like an Apple Watch, like the Red Sox scandal had uh, in 2018, that's whenever I draw the line of no, this has no business being in baseball. This could be serious. I think this is just as bad as whenever uh, the Cardinals hacked the Astros. A couple years ago. And what happened from that? One person was banned from baseball from life, and the Cardinals were really punished. Yeah, uh, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I don't disagree um, that it is bad. And you definitely need to set a precedent that will allow it to not happen again. Or will not allow it to happen again. Uh, But at the same time... I just look at the Houston Astros, and I kind of look at it like Spygate with the Patriots. I think this is very similar to what they were doing, to what the Houston Astros were doing, where that's just that's just an organization that's doing everything it can to win, even if some of the stuff they're doing is illegal. And it's not a good look. I don't condone cheating, but I'm not about to sit here and say that they deserve to have their title taken away. I don't think their GM should be banned from baseball or A.J. Hinch. I do think they should get the hammer thrown at them, maybe draft picks taken away, maybe fines. Um, I'm sure right now there have been meetings going on in Houston for the last month as to who's going to be the fall guy in this scenario, and it's going to be someone we've never heard of. That's going to be the one who gets blamed for it, and he will get banned. He or she will get banned from baseball, and that's how this is going to go. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, I mean, this isn't like the the Black Sox in 1919 or something along those lines. It, they were cheating to get an advantage. It was messed up. They deserve to be punished harshly, but I still will look at that 27 Astros team as the world champions, and they were valid world champions in my eyes. You know, and it's funny for me because uh, whenever the Pirates fire, fired Huntington, uh, I listed, you know, some People who I thought would be good uh, GM candidates, and I put in uh, Goldstein from the Astros, and he's the one who really has his uh, foot in the mousetrap at the moment. So that was impeccable timing by me. But speaking of hires, Pirates have a new manager now. They sure do. It took took almost two months for them to find him, but Derek Shelton, the Minnesota Twins uh, bench coach, will be introduced uh, later this or this afternoon, whenever this episode comes out, Wednesday. So, I'm going to go on the record for saying that I like this hire. He has 12 years of being a hitting coach in two small markets. 
in both times, Cleveland and Tampa Bay, they were traditionally one of the better offenses in baseball. He has the two years of being a bench coach with the Twins. Obviously, the Twins last year, every small market team wants to be the Twins. They won 100 games. They had this huge home run explosion. They are what the Pirates need right now. They need the extra power in that lineup. And if he has a way to say, hey, you guys need to be more aggressive or, you know, here's how you get this extra power, that could be huge because I feel like that's the biggest weakness for this offense at the moment, with the exception of Josh Bell and Starling Marte, who may or may not be a part in the near future. There aren't a lot of legitimate power threats, not people who are going to hit 20 home runs in a season. And he also had one year in between there, whenever he was a quality control coach with Toronto, with Ben Charrington working in the front office, where he really worked with the front office and the players to try to get to be the bridge for both sides and have a more analytical view of the game, have them be like, hey, no, 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 I'm not just saying you're doing everything wrong, here's a bunch of numbers. We're building a relationship, I want to make you the best ball player that you can, and I think that's what the Pirates really need right now. They need to rebuild that relationship between the front office and coaching and players, because it was definitely disjointed last year, whenever I think there were three different visions for the team, and look how that turned out. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway from this hire... I'm, I don't obviously know a lot about Derek Shelton as much as you do. It's uh, it's your job now to cover this stuff. But the thing I like most about it is he's a new guy. He's from the outside. I was My biggest fear when Clint Hurdle was given his walking papers was that it was going to be an internal candidate that took the job, like a Jeff Bannister or somebody along those lines. Or Bannister, I guess, you know, left but then came back. Or someone like that, and I, and that to me wasn't the problem, or that wasn't the solution to the problem that the Pirates had. Where you said there were so many different visions internally, no one was on the same page, and I love the idea of outsourcing from everywhere to get everyone new to start a new regime, all with one similar goal, all going in one direction. And I, I think that's what we're doing. And you see them, they have the connection with the guy that was hired this week that we're going to get into in about like 30 seconds here. But it's exciting. It's exciting. In the like you said about the Twins, I remember after one of the many 10-plus run losses the Pirates suffered last year when I was producing the post-game show, Dan Zangrilli went on a huge rant about a caller who, after a 10-run loss, was calling in to cry about nutting and saying they need to spend more. And his argument was, spending is something that, you know, not all the times you can control, but what you can, can't, what you can control as a small market club, or as a major market club, for that matter, is innovation. And he said, they need to look at what the Tampa Bay Rays are doing. They need to look at what the Minnesota Twins were doing. And you always heard teams like the Rays or the Athletics as those, you know, ugly ducklings who always found their way into the picture. But the Minnesota Twins were a new name for innovation this year. And the more you start paying attention to see the offensive production they got from catchers, from no-name guys before, like Polanco, who was an all-star at shortstop this year, uh, from their outfield that just produced across the board. That was it Max Kepler had an incredible year at center field for them. They really got the most out of that team, and uh, they're looking really good like they're going to be the new kings of the Central against my Cleveland Indians. So it's exciting to get an uh, innovative mind, a hitting mind, and a hitting game now, and we can get rolling. And, I mean, this, I have nothing really extra that I want to say about Shelton, uh, at least not until the press conference tomorrow, because this is all speculation. You know, this is all what we've seen in the past. Uh, I guess the last thing I do want to say, I lied, I have one more thing. He is very good at building relationships. Every single place that he has gone, he has worked very well with individual people. And this is going to be the first time in his career where he's going to have to delegate duties instead of being told what to do. Where he's not going to be able to be as personal with players because, A, he needs to be the person who has to send someone down to AAA or say you're getting cut or traded. 
and B, he just can't afford to have to spend that much time day-to-day responsibilities and do what he's done in the past. So I think it's going to be an interesting transition for him, but I think it's one that he's going to be very capable of making. But then we go to the Pirates' new assistant general manager, Steve Sanders, who was basically Charrington's golden boy, it looks like, whenever he was with Boston, got a bunch of promotions whenever Charrington was GM there. And then whenever uh, Charrington went to Toronto, he immediately went to Toronto with him to be his number two. Someone who's run the draft the last couple years with Toronto, and they look like pretty effective drafts. I mean, they got one of the best uh, pitching prospects in the game. They got a hitter who is going to be on every top 100 list. And this last one, it's ridiculous to, you know, you know, judge a draft, you know, two or three months after it or a couple months after it. But a lot of people saying, yeah, this is one of the five best drafts in baseball. It looks like Toronto has a good farm system or at least promising framework for a good farm system, even after graduating Vladdy and Bo Bichette and Biggio and Jensen. I mean, there's a lot of good players that they've graduated from that list. And it's like, no, 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 this is still a pretty solid farm system. I think Toronto isn't a good enough spot that you really envy the people that they had running the show. And look at that. Pirates got two of their top guys now. Yeah, I'm not opposed to the stealing the idea of just, let's just draft all the sons of great baseball players. I, I don't know. It's worth a shot. That, that was a little before him. I know, I know, I know. I just wanted yeah. to make that joke. But yeah, again, it's, it's, you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, this is a guy that, like I said before, I think continuity, being on the same page, all of that is so important when you're starting something new. And getting people that you're confident in, you can confidently delegate stuff to, you trust their judgment, you trust their opinion, and you trust their track record. That seems to be the case between what we've got right now as a front office. And hell, what they might do might work. What they might do could not work. We're going to find out. Um, but time's about to be coming here soon where moves are going to be going to be made. Uh, I'd imagine you're taking a trip to, where is it at, San Diego? Yes, I am. San Diego. So winter meetings, we're going to get to that in a second. But before that, some decisions have already been made. Tenders, non-tenders, and we're not talking chicken, folks. We're talking baseball players. Alex, uh, you want to give me a quick rundown on who's who's still here and uh, who's hitting the road? Well, I'd, I'd rather talk about the tenders first. Yeah, I'm a, I, I'm a big chicken tenders guy. Are you chicken I, nuggets or tenders? Nuggets. No questions. Hmm. I mean, yeah. but I just went to Popeye's like a week ago for like the first time and got the chicken sandwich. What are your thoughts? Oh, it lives up to the hype. It's like, that is a good fast food chicken sandwich right there. As you, judging based off your face, you don't agree? Well, I, I don't think it beats Chick-fil-A, in my opinion. I, it does beat Chick-fil-A. See, I, I, I like Chick, Chick-fil-A's one, and then I tried the spicy one and the normal one at Popeye's. The spicy one, I'd give like an 8.1, like pretty darn good. See, the normal chicken one, like, A, I felt like garbage afterwards. Garbage. Probably because I ate two Popeye's chicken sandwiches. But, like, it was just a lot of breading and flavor. And I get that that's what you should expect when you go to Popeye's. A lot of flavor. And I don't know. It was okay. I mean, it's better. It's it's a better chicken sandwich than anywhere but Chick-fil-A, in my opinion. But I just, I was, and I also, you know, like, it got so out of hand, those news stories. I was expecting something crazy to happen when I was there. And it was just like a casual dining experience. So, like, that kind of took away from it. But you're forgetting about the, Popeye's, I think, is the best fast food chicken sandwich at the moment. I've had all of one or two so far. So it's, I guess, fair for me to judge it yet. But you're sleeping on the McChicken, man. McChicken, bang for your buck, is the best chicken sandwich you can find. You know, when they had the southern-style chicken at McDonald's, or they had the buffalo McChickens, those were good. 
I, I, I rocked hard with the Buffalo McChickens. I've never had a Buffalo McChicken. All right. It's gone now, right? Yeah, oh, it's been gone. That was like when I was in high school. Let's get back to baseball. All right. All right. So what are we talking about? We're talking about how Diaz is gone. Yes, your favorite. Yeah, Elliot. I mean, I. what have I been harping on this show for the last six months? Elias Diaz is not a major league catcher. Does, does he play in the major leagues next year, or is he joining Nick King of Mountain Korea? I, I don't think it'll be as drastic as Korea, but uh, someone will sign him. Probably as a minor league deal, you know, if someone gets hurt, you'll be the next man up. Prove to us that you're actually a big leaguer. Yeah, I, I, I know the onus put him on a bad, bad footing at the start of the year. I get that. But then he played five and a half months after. And I did not see any improvement from whenever he came in in late April, early May, to whenever he was in September. And I know that might not be completely fair to judge a player like that, but I needed to see something. I needed to see improvement. Or the fact, I talked to Jacob Stallings for a story in September about how he really improved as a pitch framer. And I talked to... uh, Parch, the bullpen coach, and I, I asked, or bullpen catcher, and I said, you know, he was talking about all the work that Stallings have been uh, putting into it, and uh, I asked, like, does Diaz do the same work, knowing that Diaz is the worst pitch framer in baseball? He's like, Diaz does other work. It's like, shouldn't he be doing the work that he really needs to be doing, though? That that really rubbed me the wrong way. Whenever someone who is one of players who are worth negative one point five more cannot afford the luxury of doing other work. Well, my thing is, I remember talking to him. Geez, it would have been maybe early June before things. I mean, we knew things were bad with him. Like that's, I think. Remember the one episode where I looked up the splits between him and Cervelli. And we were like, like our eyes just like popped out of our head on like the drastic difference in like team ERA, pretty much every starter's ERA and, and just every stat, like the strikeout difference, the walk ratio, like all of it was horrible. But, um, and I remember asking him after that episode in an interview I did about all the pitching injuries and how his preparation goes with so many different guys and getting to know them and what what they throw, when they're going to throw. And then it was also when they were trying bullpenning. And I said, how does that affect your preparation as a starting catcher, knowing that you have your long guy like Brault or Kingham or whoever they were using at the time, but you also have your opener. Like, is that different as a prep? And he goes, I prep every pitcher the same. And I just kind of looked at him like, is that a normal answer? Like, they don't all throw the same pitches. Some of them throw with different arms, you know? One, some throw with the left hand, some throw with the right hand. Some throw sidearm, some throw three quarters. I mean, like, that answer just blew my mind. And, uh, I don't know. It's, I feel bad because I was kind of excited with, with what he did at the plate in 2018. I think he had 10 home runs. I only think he hit, like, two this this past year. I mean, he stunk at the plate, too. And you talked about comparing him. And I, five months is a plenty big sample size, you know? And it's, it's one thing, I guess, if a guy's slumping to compare his quote-unquote best year of his career, which was last year, to this past year, you could make an argument, well, he's having an off year. But to not see any improvement over an entire season, that's a really good point, Alex, where look, this could be your worst year of your career, but when you don't show any signs of a pulse, you got you to gotta kick rocks, man. And it sucks because, like I said, nice guy, seemed like a decent teammate. Uh, I don't want to question anyone's work ethic. I don't know what he was doing in there, but the answers that he gave you and I on questions he asked mm, kind of just indicated to me that maybe he just isn't a major league starting catcher. You know who did show me something in that last month of the season who was also a non-tender candidate, but I think the Pirates made the right decision keeping him? Who's that? Is Eric Gonzalez. 
Eric Gonzalez. What what did Eric Gonzalez show you in the last month of the season? You know what? It was really the first time that he got to be an everyday player ever in his career for a month. I mean, he had a couple weeks at the beginning of the season, then he ran into Marte and ended that. (laughs) (laughs) And thus started the Cole Tucker era. A ceremonious thud. You know, I started the Brian Reynolds era. That was the real era. That's true. That's true. Like, looking back on that, everyone was, like, Cole Tucker was on Colin Coward and, like, was in the minor leagues a month later. And, well, meanwhile, like, Brian Reynolds had, like, like, what, like a three-and-a-half war this year or something? Like, he hit, like, 315? Yeah. Well, it, not to take anything away, but if Colin Coward could have only one of them uh, as a radio guest. I mean, Cole Tucker is one of the most charismatic dudes I've talked to in uh, the Pirates Clubhouse. And I like talking to Brian also, but it is very deadpan. It does not translate well to live radio. He's, dude... Yes, as someone who would interview people for radio, like it, it was bad. It was easier getting answers from guys who weren't bilingual, like Spanish speakers. You know, like the translator stuff. Like that was better. He was just—he was kind of like my Moran project. I was hoping to build that relationship with him. You know, but you know what? It usually looks a lot better in print whenever you know you. Type it all out. It's like, yeah, that's a good quote. Yeah. I can use that. Well, yeah, when you don't have print, it's, uh, yeah. But then, the, but on the flip side, there's sometimes where there's guys who say a lot, but in reality don't say a damn thing. Yeah. Yeah. And those are always a pain to transcribe because it's like, great, I got to transcribe three sentences and I get a third of a sentence worth of use of them. Jordan, Jordan Lyles was that guy this year, in my opinion. Like, he would give, like, these, like, 35-second answers, and then you would transcribe it and be like, this guy said nothing. Like, I have no quote here. My favorite Jordan Lyles quote or story was whenever I finally, you know, caught that he was pitching from both sides of the rubber. And then the first game uh, that he did, and I asked him afterwards, like, so, so what was up with that? He's like, yeah, yeah, that was something I did. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, okay. Well, I just, I remember, like, every time after the game we would speak with Jordan Lyles and he would just complain about the the bright light of the camera. And it's like, yeah, man, like, you've been in the majors for how long? Like, are you, like, it's just a little light. Like, just relax. I don't know. Anyway, any other tenders or non-tenders that surprised you? Uh, no, I didn't say my Eric Gonzalez piece. Oh. Uh... He looked good in September, and I'm not saying he should be, you know, I'm not, I'm not on any tables for Eric Gonzalez, but uh, as a utility player, a 26th guy to have in your Sunday lineup, uh, showed that he can play shortstop, third base, can play second base, the outfield. He's not a bad guy to have, plus his BPs are something amazing to watch. I mean, they are, he hits bombs. Like, the first couple times, I'm like, who's that? It's like, oh, my God, that's Eric Gonzalez, <laughs> which is wild. We're going to need to clip that audio. Just that <laughs> clip. Oh, my God, that's Eric Gonzalez. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, like, it's not bad to have. He could be the guy that we all hope Pablo Reyes could be. Just like like you said, like a 26 guy or best case scenario, he ends up being like a 2014 Josh Harrison or a Brock Holt type, or a Ben Zobrist, or, you know, a super utility guy. You could just plug in over the course of 162 games. You're bound to get a starter injured, and you could say, okay, well, we got Slick Rick, and we just plug him in there and keep him away from Marte, which is a perfect transition onto our next topic. A good way to keep Eric Gonzalez away from Marte is trading Marte to another club. Um... It's pretty much a given that he's not going to be in black and gold next year, right? Not a given, but it, it, it's looking probable that he'll be traded, or at the very least possible. And he made that quote saying that if it was up to him, he would probably leave Pittsburgh, which I don't blame him because yeah. he's going to be going into next year potentially with a new manager, new general manager, new coaching staff, only two years remaining on his contract. He only has a handful of really good years of good baseball left in him, and he's going to potentially waste two of them, you know, playing for a team that really has no intentions on competing in 2020 or 2021. Yeah, I, I don't 
blame him at all for what he said. I mean, he did put the, you know, if I stay in Pittsburgh, I'll play hard in Pittsburgh. That's the one thing that I think you do need to say in a sentence like that. But, yeah, he might be traded. I think the Mets would be, would be a good trade fit. Uh, Phillies, Cubs have a catcher I like. If you could imagine Starling Marte paroling center field and Wrigley Field. I... Uh, yeah, again, like what you said, I can't blame him. I mean, Josh Harrison said something similar a couple years ago. He wasn't as harsh with what Marte said, uh, but he said something along the lines of, I want to play for a team that's going to compete. And Marte's truly one of the last guys that was around when the Pirates were relevant. You know, he was he started for all three of those playoff teams. He came up he came up in 2012 when the team was like 15 games over 500. They fell off a cliff that year, but then his first three seasons in the majors, they were 90 to close to 100 win ball clubs, and they were competitive. In 2016, they kind of had a bad year. 2017, they had a losing season, and he was a big part to blame for that when he got popped for steroids. But... It's funny that everyone's mad at this guy for saying this when a big criticism of his from a, a large majority of the fan base has been that he doesn't care about winning, that he doesn't care, he doesn't put in this any effort. Well, now the guy's flat out saying, I'm 31, I'm, I'm, I'm at the top of my career, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to, you know, reach this level of playing, I want to get the most out of it. And I think that you got to be able to understand that, and... If the Pirates go out on Monday in San Diego and they just make these crazy moves, they're not going to get Cole or Strasburg, but let's say they make the right moves, they get the right catcher, they sign a couple arms, and you look at it from top to bottom and you could say, okay, I could see this, I could see this clicking. He's going to be excited. And one thing you can't knock Marte for is consistency. He's always put up good numbers. He's always reliable in the field. He's reliable to make a couple stupid errors on the base pass every now and then. But overall, he's a really good player. He's someone that everyone would want on their team. He would start on all 30 major league ball clubs. He's one of those guys that even if you have three really good outfielders, you find a spot for someone else to put Starling Marte in your outfield because he makes you better defensively and he makes your lineup a little bit more dangerous. You can hit him one through nine. He's someone that you want on your team and he's someone that's going to be a nice addition to a team like the New York Yankees, the Chicago Cubs, the New York Mets, whoever else. And I'm excited to watch him play for a team that has an actual shot to compete. You know what? It, again, if the Pirates rebuild, you got to go back to the best, one of the best quotes in Pirates history, or at least the one that sums up, I think, Pirates throughout more years than not in their franchise's history, of Ralph Kiner, we finished last with you, we finished, we can finish last without you. Yeah. Which is unbelievably brutal as it is, Pirates finished last with Marte last year. It wasn't his fault that they finished last, but damn it, they can do it again. Yeah, and uh, my one thing I will say, though, you think Yinzers overreact when Marte doesn't, like, when there's a rundown on first and, between first and second and he's standing on third base and doesn't run home? Imagine how Mets fans are going to act when that happens. You know, like the quintessential, what the hell are you thinking, Starling? That, again, it'll happen once a month. Maybe. And it always just seems to happen at the worst time. Like when they're starving for runs, like you're in the middle of like a, like your, your team's going like one for 26 with runners in scoring position over, over like a homestand and he's on third base and he just gets picked off for not paying attention. Like I would love to see how New York fans react when that stuff happens. You know, I would love, I, I, I would love to see all the, People in Pittsburgh pretending that they always love Marte whenever he gets traded. Like, oh man, we never. I have never done anything wrong in my life. I know you do, sweetie. I know that, sweetie, and that's why I love you. Yeah, that's like the ovation for Starling Marte when he returns as a member of the Mets. Will be weird because I don't. I, you know, there's not a connection. Like, like Pedro, even Pedro Alvarez had a connection with people. You know, he he was the big bull. He was the home run hitter. 
Kutch, obviously. Neil Walker, the hometown kid. Garrett Cole, even. For, you know, as much as he got criticized and people did not like, people knew he didn't really want to be here, there was that connection. Marte with the language barrier and everything, he doesn't really have that connection with the fans, but you're right. Like, he'll, he'll be treated like so much better after he leaves. He'll just be another graphic on a Fox broadcast in October of like former Pirates playing well in the NLs or ALCS. Like it'll just be another one of those. Oh good. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a minute since we've seen one of those. Huh? Yeah. Don't you think can't you see it now like Starling Marte like catching a pitch thrown by um who will it be? It'll be like Davidus Novaroskis. Well, like He's still on the roster. He is still on the For roster. now, for now, but like it'll be like him hit by Elias Diaz to Sterling Marte for the final out of the World Series. <laughs> As manager Tom Prince. <laughs> <laughs> He's with the Toledo Mudhens now. Yeah. I mean, have you ever been to a Toledo game? So my mom went one time, and she bought me a kickball and a mud hen's hat. I was like four. Uh, but no, I have not. I know people who work there, though. It, it was pretty nice. I went there in 2005 because we were picking up my puppy up in, in Detroit. So, like, on the trip there, we, we stopped in Toledo. It's a fun game. Yeah. I, I You know, I have a friend. I have multiple friends who live in Detroit. I'll have to hit that up because I, I – I hear they're like a well-known uh, minor league destination. Like that's one of the ones you got to check off. Like Durham, them, you know, a couple of others. Have you ever watched the TV show Mash? Like once or twice. I'm not like a. I mean, I know how popular it was, but I'm not like an 80 year old in a 27 year old's body like you are. Yeah, yeah. And as we're touching on that, uh, it's. <laughs> I, I, I love the show, and uh, one of the main characters, Klinger, is from Toledo. He's a big Mudheads fan, and he's, you know, he wears jerseys and the hats. Oh, around. really? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. So, where do you see Marte going? Is it the Mets, Indians? Uh, Beer Temple obviously wrote an article uh, earlier today saying that he expects him to go to the Cincinnati Reds, which I just cannot see happening. Um, sorry to bring up your competition. I didn't mean to do that, but I mean you can't just like it was. It was content. You know, you gotta acknowledge it's content. Yeah, it's content. Uh, the Reds were really surprised me. I don't think. I mean, how many brawls do they have? Is all forgiven? You think Marte threw a punch in any of those? I don't even think no. Marte left center field in any of those. Even no, even the one where uh they were in the dugout, he was just like, I'm still, I'm just going to center field. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not messing with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I, I don't know. It, it would seem like a stretch for him to go to the Reds. Don't they have Sensel? I mean, they have Suarez at third base, and they just signed Moustakis. No one's playing in position for Cincinnati this year. Every <laughs> Cincinnati Reds 2020 strategy. Slide to the left. <laughs> Slide to the right. One punch this time. One punch this time. <laughs> oh, man. People actually listen to this show. Yeah. Very, you know, very weird that they do. All right. So we've covered uh, all the good stuff, Alex. So let's get into winter meetings now to wrap up the show. Um, you're heading there. Big, big uh, Mr. Capital J journalist heading to San Diego. Have you ever been to San Diego? Yes, I love it. It's it is a beautiful city, and I wish I could live there full time. But it's incredibly salty, and you know it's not good for the kidney. So, therefore, eighty year old man, dude, what do you have kidney problems? I've got like a I've got like a cyst, so I build up stones really fast. Oh. 80-year-old man. And, and, you know, I'll even throw myself under the bus Does here. Does Dejan give you good... this episode on my new Mac. This is the first time we've used the Mac. The first time I've had it that we recorded an episode. And I call Noah on Skype, which we always do. 
And he's like, why don't you call me on FaceTime? And it was just a muscle inflict. It's like, you could FaceTime on a Mac? And I just, I, I just was speechless. I mean, does Dejon give you good health? Does Dejon, does Dejon give you good health insurance? Because I just feel like you are such a liability. Like you're, <laughs> I, like wooden stairs would scare the hell out of me. Like watching you go down those. Like you're a broken hip away from like retiring before thirty. I just got like the one health problem. <laughs> no, you were the one time you were complaining about. You were talking about eating tums because calcium for your hip. Like I, like I distinctly remember that. Like yeah, you're like my hip keeps that. popping, and like, <laughs> what part of I'm an old man is confusing to you? For real, you really are. You really, really are, Alex. So your old ass is going out to San Diego. Yes. Um, are you? Is it just you? It's just me. And what? What? What's your coverage plan there? I know you can't give us the entire game plan, but what's what is your uh, angle here that you're going with for your coverage. You know, I'm going to see where the week takes me. I, I, I want to be flexible. I want to see, you know, what pops up. I, I mean, we don't know exactly how active the Pirates are going to be at the winter meetings because Charrington is, has been on the job for only a couple weeks, and most of that time he was trying to find a manager. So he might not have a full bullfront. I, I don't know. It's going, to be, it's going to be an interesting couple of days for me. I mean, there's, I think, two big things that'll be interesting. And what's more likely to happen from these winter meetings? A catcher gets signed or acquired via trade, or Starling Marte leaves the team? I think the Marte will definitely have more trade rumors. I don't know if either move's going to happen, but I bet that there will be a lot of Marte trade rumors. I mean, because they're going to be every, they're going to be. T- 30 GMs around one another all talking shop. And a lot of them were looking for a center fielder. And Charrington doesn't have to make a move right now, but he could make framework. Start building that framework for a deal. Who's one player not named Starling Marte that you could see getting traded this offseason on the Pittsburgh Pirates? Keanu Kello. Why is that? Who's the closer if he leaves? How many games were they intending on saving? Yikes. I just feel like Kel is someone you trade at the deadline. I mean, I mean, they could. They could, but eh, fresh era. I mean, start new. Kel's value, I think, is not going to be any higher than it is right now. So, I mean, if, he, if you hold on to him in July, you also run the risk of, you know, the shoulder problem pops up again and he's on the IL. Maybe he struggles. No, it just seems Maybe like... Maybe he throws at someone's head again. Yeah. It's it's always in the realm of possibility. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think this would be a good. He's a good trade chip because every team wants a Keone Kella in their bullpen, especially you know one year deal. You know, don't have to really worry a long time because he's a damn good relief pitcher, and he's got an edge. He's got you know some flair. He's got some bite. That's something that you want in a late inning reliever. He makes every bullpen in baseball better. Yeah, I mean that's. What's exciting, too, I mean, he has big game experience. Like, he was on those Toronto Blue Jays teams that made some runs. I think they went to back-to-back no, ALC. The Rangers. Oh, the Rangers, that's right. Yeah, they faced off against the Toronto Blue Jays in those series where the bat flip happened. But those teams won division titles, you know, and he came up when he was only, like, 19 or 20 years old and had to learn fast, and he pitched in some big games early on. So, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I, I, I crisscrossed those two. I know that he... Everybody clap your hands! All right. What else is going on with the Pirates, Alex, that we haven't covered? Is that it? Uh, that's the most of it. Do you want to get into, like, outriding Montana and to, to Indianapolis? Or... No, no one does. Those are the big headlines. Uh, we'll have more headlines whenever we come up from... Uh, whenever I come back from the winter meetings, uh, we're going to have a player on the podcast later this week. That's going to be fun. Later this week? I think it's going to be this week. We're going to do two episodes in one week. It's going to be crazy. Wow. Content, content, content. 
I was thinking we'd say that for next week, but since we're having a discussion live on the air, I guess we're doing it this week because Alex calls the shots now that he's got now that he's got a full time job and a MacBook. I'm setting it. I'm setting up the interview. All right. It works better for him next week, and it works better for me. I can't do it in. So it works better for him next week. What? You just said we're doing it this week. No, it works better for him this week. You just, but you just said it works better for him next week. Like you just said that. It works better for me not to do it next week because I'm going to be in San Diego. Yeah, but you. Oh my God! Never mind. Just forget it. Freaking senile. When are you cutting your hair? Never. Every day that you ask that, it grows for another month. All right. Fair enough. Uh, what else we got going on, Alex? Any non-baseball related topics of discussion you want to discuss? We've covered Popeyes, chicken sandwiches. What else is going on? Uh, have you, are you a Disney Plus subscriber? No, I was planning on getting a new phone this month. Are you going to get an iPhone? Yeah, I was planning on getting an iPhone so I could, uh, Get an unlimited plan, and whatever you do that, you get the full year from Verizon for free, so I was planning on doing that, but I'm still on, you know, the parents' family plan, and, you know, there was some late second, okay, do you want to do this? Maybe we should all go together, and you'll just pay, you know, whatever portion of it, and blah, 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 and long story short, I didn't get a Black Friday deal, so I don't have Disney Plus yet, but I am all about Baby Yoda. I was going to say, as a, as a Star Wars nerd, I would have thought you would have been all in on Mandalorian, but... I've actually watched every every episode. I actually enjoy the show. Yeah, I'm good. I mean, I haven't heard anybody dislike it. Yeah, I mean... But it, it is kind of funny because one of my favorite comic series is Saga, which has a real Star Wars vibe to it. And in the early uh, part of the series, there's a, a bounty hunter character who uh, takes in a small child, you know, rescues her and you know they go adventuring into space together and i haven't watched the mandalorian but i look at it, it's like okay well there's a bounty hunter taking in a small child so, so we're ripping off what was inspired from it looks interesting i'm just enjoying the content a little a little sci-fi inbreeding what, what what harm could come from that there we go oh so i had some notes and i've just been looking for someone to talk about this stuff with because uh, while you're busy covering Major League Baseball, I've been covering um, high school football for the outlet I work for, WHBC. And the team that I've been pretty much assigned to this entire playoffs, uh, these entire state playoffs, has been Maslin. If you don't know about Maslin, you can watch a documentary on them called Go Tigers. It's on, uh, I think it's on Netflix and Hulu. I highly recommend watching it. It's the closest thing you'll see to the movie Friday Night Lights. Um, on this side of like the Mississippi in Ohio, it's it's a town. Paul Brown is from there. You okay? Yeah. Okay. Look like you saw a ghost. Uh, Paul Brown, the guy who you know like founded the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals, is from there, and uh, it's it's a big it's a huge football town. It is it is a town that thrives on high school football and uh, they play in the state championship on Thursday, which is cool. But since I've been covering high school football, I've made some observations. I wanted to get your take on them. First one, what are your thoughts when the fourth quarter, when the third quarter ends and the fourth quarter goes and everyone puts four fingers in the air? Are you pro or against that? It's cheesy, but whatever. I hate it so much. I hate it so, so much. I, I, yeah. I try not to like fan shame anyone for what they do in games or what. Besides wooing, I hate wooing. I'll fan shame Will. Okay, fair. Yeah, I just I, I don't see it being any different than any high school, you know, game where for one jock will scream like I believe, and then I believe that we will win. I, I mean, it's the same thing as that. So that was my next one. The student sections. They do this one chant and and I don't know if I've ever heard it in Pennsylvania. Um it's like one student section will say it to another one, like across the field, and they just do sit down, shut up. And that just seems so mean. I don't like that chant. <laughs> Your thoughts. Have you heard that one? I have not heard that one, and I feel like for it to work, it needs to be It's just too it's not enough syllables. It's, well, Sit down, shut up. If I was 
gonna go with four syllables. And it was gonna be sit down and or yeah, it'd be like sit the down to like go full AJ Burnett on it. I would love to see you lead a but student that's, section. That's not gonna work at a high school game now, is it? Uh, so I'm anti that. Alright, so we're two for two here. Um my third one was more of a complaint than anything else. Uh, every, and I mean every, school in Ohio, 90% of them, uh, Maslin's not, uh, doesn't fall under this category, thankfully, but the rest of them, uh, their fight song is Ohio State's fight song, and I am so damn tired of hearing, dun 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 and they all do script Ohio, like what, you know, Ohio State does, and like the tuba player dots the I, but like they'll just spell their school's name and they think they're being original, and I get that like Ohio State's like like a cult here basically, and as is Penn State and, and Happy Valley and all that, but like, my god, dude. I mean, no one in the Whippeal is playing hail to pit at halftime. <laughs> you know, no one's doing that. Uh, L- or, um, Maslin plays Hold That Tiger from LSU, and it just makes me think of Coach O, so I don't mind that. And my f- – oh, what are your thoughts? You got any thoughts? I mean, how many people are going to be play want to play hail to pit whenever they go 7-5 and five every year? Well, that's a good thing. And like, the, Baldwin could do that. Bowl. Baldwin could do that. Just seven and five, right? Baldwin won like five games this year, and they lost to McKeesport because they missed an extra point. And oh, it was a good year for them. Burgettstown went undefeated and lost in the first round. That's rough. Yeah, they haven't lost a regular season game in like two years. You know how many games I won in four years of playing varsity football there? How many? Ten. <laughs> kids, kids, kids on last year's Burgettstown high school football team. Not this past year because they won nine. But in 2018, the Bergstown High School team won as many games in their season as I did in my entire career. And I made the playoffs my freshman year. Well, I mean, Whippeal's weird like that. Like, my senior year of high school, the football team went like two and seven, I think it was. Or two or eight, whatever it was. They won two games and they made the playoffs. Oh, that's just because, like, the conferences or whatever. Especially and big was, schools. the conference, and they won against the two right teams, and through, like, a series of voodoo tiebreakers, they got the great distinction of getting their ass absolutely demolished. By, <laughs> like Central Catholic or Gateway or somebody? By someone, yeah, like a real school. <laughs> yeah. So, and then my last note on covering high school football is um, a lot of these Ohio schools have victory bells, which is kind of cool. Like, uh... A couple of smaller ones, they have it, like, in their stadium, and they'll ring. Uh, Maslin and McKinley, which is, like, one of the biggest high school sports rivalries in the country, they have a victory bell that, like, will it goes to the winner. It's like Paul Bunyan's axe or whatever, like a Big Ten trophy, uh, that the winner gets to keep the bell, and it's displayed in the school, and they decorate it and whatnot. Um, But instead of a victory bell, if I was ever running a high school football program, we would have a loss bell. And it would teach kids accountability. So after you would lose, the team gets in a single file line, and you have to ring the bell of shame, essentially. (laughs) You, like, hit the bell with a hammer, and it's like your lost bell. And it allows kids to, A, understand, like, they don't want to ring that bell. Like, it's embarrassing. A stadium full of people, like, the opposing team fans will stay in the stands and just, like, watch them ringing this bell of shame like they're like playing in the fourth quarter it's like we can't ring the bell tonight fellas like i think of like student or senior night like kids are just crying like they lost their last game of the season and they have to ring the bell of shame and i think that's a good motivational tactic and i think again it preaches accountability accountability alex what do you think i think you're you know, my sister is an early childhood educator, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure if she listened to this, she'd be screaming throughout <laughs> what you were just saying. These aren't little kids. These are these are these are 17 year olds. These kids are about to be able to vote. They need to learn that life sucks. Losing's not great. No, no, you have to ring the bell whenever you do well because, and whenever I say little kids, like 
preschool. So they like one of the first lessons that they taught this year, which I thought was real funny, cute, funny, but was um, if something makes them feel good, they could say oh, it makes me feel good. But if something makes them feel bad, they said it makes me feel scratchy because that's what it feels like. It's it's scratchy. They got so never mind. You're gonna make all your kids feel scratchy, Noah. Yeah, well, scratch the bell. I like my idea. Uh, <laughs> all right, it's time. It's time to wrap it up, Alex. Any final thoughts on the Pirates or high school football? So it's a uh, breaking ball. Breaking ball. I can feel it coming in the air. Goodbye. All right, he's Alex Stump at Alex J Stump on Twitter. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. I forgot to tell you about Miles Garrett. Okay. Because uh, I covered that game. And um, we walked in the locker room, and he was surprised that we ha- uh, had questions for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't that, I mean, if, I've had that happen in baseball a couple times. Like, I went to a visit. I can't remember what the situation was. But I went over to a visiting clubhouse after a game. Probably like the Cubs or somebody. Yeah, and it was, you know, a real noteworthy thing where a dude just lost it and got, like, ejected or whatever. And, you know, we, there were a bunch of people surrounding him. He was like, you guys really want to talk to me? Why? It's like, we'll give you the most noteworthy thing that happened in this 5-1 to one game. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, Miles just stood there naked. And was like, can I at least put my genitals away? And uh, we're like, Power move. yeah, dude, you're telling me. I mean, flexed on us. And uh, he just stood there naked and looked like a hundred people in the eye and was like, you're going to wait for me to to put my clothes on. And he took his time and there was just no towel. It was a power move. It's a power move. All right. He's Alex Stump at Alex J Stump on Twitter. I'm Noah Hiles. Noah underscore Hiles 95. Give us both a follow. Follow us. Uh, follow our Twitter account as a podcast at River Blast Radio. Like, rate, share, subscribe. Uh, read Alex's work. Listen to me on the radio in Canton. You can do that online, whbc.com. Uh, most importantly, smile. Things could be getting better for the old Pittsburgh Pirates. We sign off, as always, saying, let's go, Bucks. <laughs>